Debate Recreate. I'm Sammy Purcell. And I'm Logan Keller. And we are back for episode eight of season three. (laughs) Wow. I know. It's so weird because we uh, we mentioned a few episodes ago, I think we shortened the season. So it's like, whoa, we're almost done. Now it's just happening. (laughs) Which, as much as I loved our long seasons, the fact that we're almost done and not just halfway done. (laughs) It is totally... (laughs) it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Go us. <laughs> um, hey, Logan. Yes, Sammy. Have you ever been motivated by greed or guided by riches, you might say? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm sure that I have. I like mm-hmm. to think that it's not like the motivator for me, but like, I'd be lying if I said like, even my most recent job change, I quit my old job. Oh, yeah. at a, I was at a nonprofit for like over five years and I'm now in the for-profit space and tech and like, listen, you I'm making what? way more than <laughs> I was making before. And like, I'm not mad about it. I don't know. That wasn't the primary motivator, but like it, it definitely has improved the quality of my life in some ways. So yeah. I have been guided by riches. Well, hopefully neither one of us has been motivated by greed in the way some of the people are in the shows <laughs> we're about to discuss today. Um, but I'll give a little refresher. If this is your first episode, welcome. This is Right to Bay Recreate. And each week, Logan and I pick a show based on a category, a musical, We rate that musical on a scale of 1 to 10, we debate which one is better, and we think of one aspect that we would change or recreate. So each week, we have a category, and this week, that category is, excuse me, I might be about to burp, Guided (laughs) by Riches. (laughs) My show is Anastasia. And my show is Stemalot, the Monty Python musical. Oh my gosh, love it. My dad is a huge Monty Python guy, so... I am too. I watched that a bunch when I was little. Um, I guess, like, I was thinking about this, and Anastasia is... There's, like, one or a couple... One, two characters who are, like, specifically guided by riches. And I want to make that clear. Like, Anastasia herself is not. She's guided by yeah. family <laughs> and loneliness. <laughs> also, like, full transparency, there were a couple episodes this season where we really... Had to re- had to reach um, yeah. to to get the name to work. So someone, some people in yeah, so. some people in Anastasia are guided by riches. Therefore, it counts. It is in the category. <laughs> um, but okay, I'll, I'm just gonna get into this. Um, what's it called? Summary here. Sorry, Episode. my brain is everywhere. It's been a week. <laughs> um, so I guess if you haven't seen or heard of The Legends of Anastasia, I'll just get into it. So um, Anastasia is a Broadway musical with music and lyrics by Lynn Ahrens. I am not sure I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and Stephen Flaherty, the book by Terrence McNally. It's based on the 1997 animated film of the same name, which like, if you haven't seen it, go watch it immediately. It's perfect. Um, and the musical adapts the legend of the Grand Duchess Anastasia Nikolaevna of Russia, who 
spoiler alert, was actually executed um, by the Bolsheviks in real life. Um, but there was like a grand legend basically in um, the USSR after the Russian Revolution when the Tsar and his children were killed. So she was this daughter, one of the many daughters of Tsar Nicholas, um, and they were executed by the Bolsheviks when they were children. Very, very sad stuff. Russian Revolution was a messy historical event. I will not really be getting into it from a historical accuracy <laughs> standpoint today. Um, but a legend developed that she was still alive. It's kind of like a symbol of hope, I guess. And I also think they, they didn't find her body or like they like it took a while to identify her. So like this yeah. kind of hope um, came about. But in the movie, she is actually still alive. And the story centers around a orphan named Anya who has amnesia. She like can't remember anything before she was eight and she is trying to find her family and she meets up with two con men, Vlad and very sexy Dimitri, <laughs> who <laughs> are trying to find a girl to pretend to be Anastasia and like give her to the Grand Duchess and get some reward money. So the Grand Duchess, who's her grandmother, has put out this like Basically, like, if you can find Anastasia, I'll give you, like, a shit ton of money. So they're trying to take advantage of that. They don't actually believe that Anastasia is alive. Um, so I also wanted to point out, Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Ahrens did the music and lyrics for the film and the musical. Oh, so they did all the original. Yeah, so there are a bunch of new songs in the musical. Um, but they, for the most part, we'll kind of get into this, like, kept the original stuff as well. Um, with one notable exception. And... <laughs> Um, but they did the original music and lyrics for the film. And Stephen Flaherty, best known for Ragtime and Once on this Island. And the music in this musical rocks. So there we go. Um, there are a lot of differences between the musical and the animated movie, um, which I'm going to wait to get into. Um, but for now, I'm going to give this musical, um, which I was able to see on Broadway with the original cast, humble brag. It was during me and my <laughs> sister's trip to New York. We were all like huge fans of the movie. Um, we had varying opinions of how the musical made us feel, but I think in general, we thought it was like very well performed, well produced, like fun, fun show to see, you know, fun show to take. Actually, we'll get into fun show to take a kid too, but seven <laughs> out of 10 Bartox, who is not in this musical, but he is the little baby bat in the animated movie. And I miss him so much. We'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't even know if I should say this out loud <laughs> for fear of um, being hurt oh by God. you. I've never seen the movie. <gasps> oh my I God. Know. Logan, it's so good. I know. I know. It's Luth like one of your favorites. <laughs> I, I, okay, for what it's worth, I have, I am very familiar with the Liz Calloway oh my God. music of Beautiful. the movie, but I have never watched it itself. You should um, watch it. Or if it's I like did, I was so young that I, like, yeah. don't even remember it. For some reason, young girls, I feel like, are, like, obsessed with Anastasia. Like, just as an entity. I think yeah. she's, like, the original, like, oh, my God, I actually am a princess. Like, I wonder if that has something to do with it. But, yeah. Like, I, I every think girl part I know of it loves that movie. <laughs> this is so dumb, Sammy. I think a big part of why I hadn't, hadn't seen it is because for the longest time, I thought it was the same as Fantasia, and I hated Fantasia. <laughs> it does have some really scary parts in it, like Fantasia, which is terrifying. 
<laughs> but it's definitely not the same. Yeah, it's not. Okay. Well, rate um, the also, musical. you saying when you saw it. Oh yeah, I'm gonna also I'm I'm gonna give it seven out of ten as well. I also saw most of the original cast on Broadway. I think it's a solid show. Solid, yeah. Um, I have a, good things to say. I honestly, it's not even that I have bad things about it as much as I just am like I just feel like it was good but not great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was solid. But also, you saying when you you saw it reminded me. That was the same weekend that we went to Marie's Crisis together, yes, which is like a musical theater piano bar in New York. For those one of my fondest memories, my sister's got <laughs> and a we huge sang fight. like the entire thing <laughs> yeah. of Little Shop. <laughs> we did, and then my sister's gotten a huge fight in the Times Square McDonald's at like two a.m. So <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Hope they've resolved that since then. They did. We're all good. <laughs> um, all right, go ahead. Spam a lot. Okay, so my show is Spamalot. Um, I thought I went back and forth about how I want to do the summary. It's like so complicated and complex. There's so many <laughs> moving pieces of characters. I'm not going to do a legit summary, but basically, Spamalot is a musical version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Definitely not like completely true to source. Like it's its own piece. Of, it's its own piece of art for sure. But it's heavily inspired by that in the characters and a lot of the bits they do and most specifically for me in the like immensely British humor um, throughout the show. Um, And it's very inspired by like Camelot, um, which is what the source material is based off of. Um, So it's a lot of like knights and British people in like uh, undefined like medieval era um, is, is basically the premise I'll talk more about the show itself and some of the things I like about it um, in my thoughts section or my debate section, I guess. But that's the basic premise, and I am going to give Spamalot 8 out of 10 knees. <laughs> I thought you wanted to go Finland, Finland, Finland. <laughs> okay, that's a backup. <laughs> I'm also going to give Spamalot an 8 out of 10. I don't think it's perfect. But I think it's mm-hmm. fucking hilarious. It's like really I hard. Couldn't not agree to more. Like. It's really hard not to laugh. And like the version that we watched was just like a regional theater. Thing. Yeah, it was a regional theater. It's just so funny. And like I thought really yeah. well, it looked really good. Like they did a good job. But it's just yeah, so it was. Funny. I was honestly, I usually when Sammy and I have to watch regional productions, and this is no <laughs> shade. Like I love no. regional theater, yeah. but also in addition to it being like not the same caliber as, as Broadway or West End or whatever. Also, typically, the, like, filming isn't as good. So I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a, ver- a pretty good, like, quality and mm-hmm. both quality video-wise and performance-wise. Yeah, it was really good. A lot. I liked it a lot. All right. Should we get into... All right. Let's go. So I was going to start with my relationship with the movie. And now I realize that I have to explain a lot more of what happens in the movie than I thought I was going to. <laughs> um, but this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I rewatched it for this. Uh, it's like a, the definition of a comfort movie. I watch it when I'm sick, which I was Friday. I like watch it all the time. Um, so you mentioned Liz Calloway as the singing voice of Anastasia. Meg Ryan is her speaking voice, which is just like one of my favorite vocally vocal pairings of all time. Um, Dimitri was one of my, like, big, big, big first crushes. He's, like, the hottest animated character who's ever lived. <laughs> like, fun writer Dimitri close Dimitri or, um, Shrek? 
Um, definitely Dimitri is part of Shrek. Shrek is hot though, you know, it's fine. Um, but so I wanted to just start, go through some of the differences between the movie and the musical. Cause these didn't, I guess like these didn't bother me as much as they bothered my sisters, especially, um, because it is an adaptation and they have to like adapt the material for the stage. And I understand what they were going for. And I like a lot of what they did, but I think they get some stuff wrong. So I just figured I'd start with like a rundown of what happens in the movie sort of versus the musical. So the movie itself, it's a cartoon and it's like much more mystical. And the main villain is Rasputin. So like Rasputin, famous like mystic magic man who had like, um, I can't remember the, I can't remember Anastasia's mother's name, but like famously sort of like had her kind of under his wing. Um, so their only son, I think his name is Alexei, had, was a hemophiliac and he was the heir. So like she was always very worried about him and like kind of got taken under the like spell or this mm-hmm. like mystic man who they tried to kill like 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you can read about that on Wikipedia. It's not really that important. Um, the fictionalized version of Rasputin in the movie is the character. Um, and he has like a little bat sidekick named Bartok who has a fun little accent. Um, Anastasia, there's a lot of animal psychics. Anastasia has like a little dog who follows her around. His name is Puka, who's very cute. Um, And Rasputin is basically trying to kill the last of the Romanovs. He like thought he did it. He thought he killed them all, but she lived. So he has to kill her. And he has this like bottle of demons. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that he unleashes to like try to kill her <laughs> he's a very good villain it's like one of my favorite cartoon villains he's very good and the musical as you know really takes that mysticism just like slices it which i understand i think they try to make it like a little bit more of an adult story mm-hmm. um and the villain in the main musical is gleb who is a bolshevik general played by the love of my life Ramin Karamloo. Ramin Karamloo. Mm. Oh my god. He's so good. Um, yeah. So it takes like a more historically accurate approach, which like it would be hard to do the little demons of the mysticism. I get it. Like it's, I get why they did this. So the main change I think for me that does and doesn't work is like the villain, the villain. Like that, it yeah. does work. So I want to talk about how I like think it kind of does work. Um, but then I think it like really falls apart by the end, which I'm going to talk about now. So just a side note, by removing Rasputin, you remove one of the best villain songs in the history of villain songs. It's called In the Dark of the Night. I realize you haven't heard it. Um, you should go listen to it. It's really, really good. It's like when he's like rising to full power again and like calling his minions to go get Anastasia. It's amazing. They actually do repurpose the tune of it so in a very like melancholy way um so the song they sing stay i pray you where all the people are like leaving russia they're like getting on that train and they sing that very like so that is the tune of in the dark Mm -hmm. of the night just like repurposed for this thing i think they like someone behind the scenes had to be like people are gonna be pissed (laughs) this is a great song (laughs) (laughs) like um so they repurpose it which i did appreciate and so by making Gleb the villain, they, like, give him an actual relationship with Anastasia, which Rasputin doesn't have. 
Um, he's just kind of this evil. Is Gleb in the in the movie? No, not at all. Okay. There is like no real mention. There are very little mentions of communism in the movie at yeah. all. Like there's like there's like a point in the movie where they get on the train and <laughs> someone's like they're t- they find out they have fake tickets because their tickets are blue and everyone else's tickets are red. And Vlad goes, everything in this country is red. <laughs> like There's very <laughs> little because it's a kid's movie. So like, yeah. at the beginning, you do like when you see the invasion of the castle, it's like billed as something Rasputin kind of orchestrates in a weird way. Like, mm. like his curse is kind mm-hmm. of all everything falls under Rasputin has like cursed the Romanovs, basically. That makes sense. So you don't, yeah. it's, there's no real like, let's talk about communism kids in the Russian Revolution. It's just, it's all very like watered down. Um, so I appreciate what they're trying to do here. And I, I actually do appreciate that they give him sort of a real connection to Anastasia. Um, he does like end up kind of falling in love with her, but he meets her early on. He's intrigued by her. Um, and he also learns of the scheme. So like, you know, she meets Dimitri and Vlad and they're like, well, you look like you could be related to them. Like, let's just pretend it's you. You don't know who you are, which is all kind of very similar to the movie. And he learns about that scheme like kind of early on and he tries to talk her out of it. He's like, this like Anastasia's dead. What are you fucking talking about? This is stupid. And through that conversation, we learn that his dad was one of the soldiers who killed the Romanov children. So I actually sort of appreciate like this attempt to kind of look at legacy from both sides, like mm-hmm. her family legacy and his family legacy and how they both feel about it. Cause like, and ties in with like the journey to the past. Yeah. Like some of the themes. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think Ramin, like when I saw it, I remember thinking he did a good job of like, kind of like playing this guy who just like, even as it becomes more clear that like yes she is alive yes this is her like it is he just like cannot let himself believe that because like of the knowledge of what his dad did and like wrestling with that like very awful thing that his dad did Mm -hmm. like killed some kids you know um we could like put politics of everything aside like killed some kids (laughs) um (laughs) so i like this idea i like the i like that they have a relationship i like that they're like legacy struggles kind of mirror each other's in a fun way however and you can talk about this too because you've seen it you're about to bark sorry i'm dog sitting (laughs) um i think the end falls so flat like it just sort of ends (laughs) so basically she's been accepted by the grand duchess like they have like a little moment where they both remember something that like no one else could have known so they're like oh okay like you are my granddaughter or great granddaughter or whatever she is um and ramin has been like following her because he's like supposed to kill her and so he's like trying to find her and he sings this huge song just like a combination of like the two songs and you know he like freaking kills it he's got a beautiful voice there's like this orchestra choral thing going on behind him and you're like oh my god and she's like screaming at him like kill me kill me it's like a very big dramatic moment and then he just like doesn't yeah. <laughs> just like all stops and i'm like oh i don't know how i feel about this like it just like is very it falls very flat to me it feels to me like they couldn't figure out 
how to like properly convey because I get wanting his like trying to convey his inner struggle and like he doesn't want to kill her but like there's this like oh I have to finish what my dad did but also like how do I really feel about what my dad did and like but it just like it is that feels something like something that's so internal they can't properly get it out to the backseat of the theater if that makes sense yeah yeah. I agree with that. I, I definitely feel maybe maybe that's part of why I said it was like good but not great. It's because mm-hmm. I it finished and I was kinda like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, okay. <laughs> like oh, not she, even bad, just, just kind okay. of like empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And then so my other conflicting thing, and I, I like to call this like the hunchback of Notre Dame problem. Um, because I was actually I forgot what review I was reading think it was the New York Times. So if that's true, it would have been Ben Brantley. If that's not right, I apologize, but I think that's who I was reading. So it's like the Hunchback of Notre Dame problem, which like when that that musical is so dark, it's like the Mm -hmm. darkest. It's like based on the Victor Hugo novel, but keeps the (laughs) plucky Disney songs. And I don't really know how to fix this because like having the villain be Rasputin, like he's so campy. Like, and he is a little bat who's like, like, it's, it's scary, but it's like kind of campy and silly too. And when you make, when you bring like the real history into it and bring like all this, like very kind of like a little more hard edged realism into it. And you still have the kind of, and this is not like a Disney property or it technically is now, um, but it wasn't for a really long time. It still was like Disney-esque like numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like feels a little too disnified for like the subject matter at times, I think. Um, but I don't really yeah. know how to fix that because I love the songs. I have the same feeling about Hunchback. Like I love the song so much. I would not want them changed or cut in any way. The other thing, the other big change um, that I want to talk about. And this is where this is like one of the bigger issues that my sisters both had with it. And I really agree and okay. this caused the fight in McDonald's. No, that was a drunken <laughs> shenanigan <laughs> about someone didn't order me enough chicken nuggets or something. I don't know. Um, but so in the movie, Dimitri worked in the palace as a young boy. And he and that is like completely cut from the show. He has never met her before. So he mm. worked. He's like I a couple years older than her. And he like worked as like a palace boy, little servant. And he helps her get away from the Russian, the, like, invading Bolshevik soldiers. And he does that by, like, opening a trap door and, like, sending her through. And that's how he comes to be in possession of that music box. She, so her grandmother mm. had given it to her. And when she's running away, it, like, falls out of her pocket. And she comes running back. She's like, my music box. He's like, no, we don't have time. Go. <laughs> and then he, like, turns around and there's some Bolshevik soldiers like, where'd they go? And he's like, Bleh, and they knock them out. And when he wakes up, the music box is still there. So that's why he has it. Yeah. Um, so Interesting. So kind of like a Katniss Peta moment. Yeah, exactly. Like, we, <laughs> we've known each other before this, you know? Yeah. Like, there's some <laughs> um, history. Yeah. And so, in the musical, what it... I don't know if this is true, but it feels like, to me, they got notes early on that, like, Dimitri needed to be, like, more developed as a character... Because the final product feels to me like they went a bit overboard. Because, like, I think he feels more like the main character than she does in a lot of ways. Which is mm. not good when it is it's called Anastasia. Anastasia. 
Um, so they give him this backstory that's like very separate from hers. Um, he grew up in the streets. Like his dad taught him how to get around. It's like this idea, idea of like wanting to get out, um, which is very different from the movie where his backstory is like sort of like tied inextricably to hers. Like, you know, he's the reason she is alive, basically. Yeah. Um, and like separating their backstories, I feel like that means you have to lend more time like separately to him instead of like watching them grow sort of like in conjunction to each other and like seeing how they interwine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think they go a little overboard on that. And it takes away, so like in the movie, well, in the musical, I'll start with that. Their whole thing is like they saw each other once at a parade and she like remembers that he bowed to her. And that's how he's like, oh my God, I didn't tell you that. And that's always felt like a little bit like, I don't know, like anyone, I don't know. Like I get it, but it's a little thin. And in this, in the movie, they're like, they've rehearsed all these questions that, and then, so in the musical, her name is Lily, like the Grand Duchess's best friend. And in the movie, her name is Sophie. I don't know why they changed that. Um, But in the movie, Sophie is asking her all these questions and they've like rehearsed, rehearsed, rehearsed her answers. And the last question Sophie asked her is, how did you get out? Like on the night that it happened, how did you, how, why are you alive? Basically, how did you get away? And Dimitri's like, we didn't rehearse that. And he is like, oh my God, like freaking out, like da, da, da. And he kind of puts his head in his hands. And she remembers that she says like, there was a boy who opened a wall, like referring to like the trap door. And then she kind of goes like, oh, that's crazy. Like walls, like opening, da, da, da. And that's when he realizes like, oh, fuck, it is her. Which I yeah. think is a way better realization yeah. than this, like, little song. She bowed to me. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> like, kind of a dud. It's, like, one of the duddier yeah. songs in the, sto- in the musical. Um, I agree. So I just, I wish they kind of kept their backstories more intertwined. I think that would have been better. Okay. Now I want to talk about the music. And then I think I just want to, like, kind of wax poetic about the casting so i'll be done in a minute <laughs> yeah the casting is <laughs> something so else good. for the show um so they really makes it yes I think. it it does like i cannot talk i cannot say enough good things about the two leads anyway so like they basically kept all the songs like i said except dark the night but they do the thing with stay i pray you um so journey to the past and once upon a december might be the two that they do not change at all like they're exactly the same like word for word i'm pretty sure um rumor in st petersburg is change they give way more to dimitri to solo which i think like another thing he's like serves as like the narrator for a lot of this um they change a lot of learn to do it which is the song where she's sort of like training to be anastasia which i actually do really Mm -hmm. like the changes in that one like because they take out sort of a lot of Dimitri and Anastasia's like very big negging energy <laughs> like in the movie <laughs> yeah. they are like like this must be like like that appeals to me in movies because they are just like at each other's throats all the time <laughs> and they have more of that negging and learn to do it I would argue like they put more of that into that which I like they really change Perry holds the key to your heart I like the movie version a lot better Dimitri has like a sad little moment because it's sort of like he's realizing that it's coming to an end also, Bernadette Peters plays Sophie in the movie, <laughs> so she gets to sing that song. It's not Vlad, which is great. Um, and then some good additions that I like. I like In My Dreams, which is the song that Anastasia sings like when she first meets. How she meets Dimitri is like quite different mm-hmm. also from the movie musical, but that's the song she meets when she she sings when she meets Vlad and Dimitri. Um, I like the Neva Flows, which is one of 
uh, Gleb's or Gleb, yeah, Gleb's big songs. My Petersburg, Kirkwana shoots for the moon. It's mm. so good. <laughs> He's so good. Um, we'll go from there, which is another little trio song, like learn to do it. I like that they added that. And also like in the actual show is on that train. The whole train sequence is so well done and like technically cool. Um, and then the Countess and the Common Man is like the little flirting song between Vlad and Sophie, Lily, which I really like. And then Derek Klenna has Everything to Win, which I think is a great song. But honestly, the second act is like a little lacking in musical parts, yeah. I would say. I would say the second act like goes like a little bit. Um, and then the, I think a lot of songs are just like meh, some of the new ones that they add. Like Crossing a Bridge is meh. Like still meh. Close the Door. I love Mary Beth Peel. She is Graham's Dawson Creek forever. <laughs> but like the song is like, Meh. okay. And I'm just going to say, I think the casting is perfect. Like Chris Yaltamore, Derek Klenna. Like Derek Klenna oh. is Dimitri. <clears throat> like I yeah. don't know how else to say it. Chris Yaltamore is like, do you know it was originally Dimitri. Aaron Tveit? Really? He's too old, I think. And like the Sorry, reading, but... like the original, like before it went to tryouts. Oh, so a while ago. That makes sense. I also think Patrick Page was um, John was, Bolton's yeah, character. He was. And Angela Lansbury was um, Caroline O'Connor. Mary Beth Peel's. Oh, yeah. she was? Mary Beth Peel? Mm-hmm. I really liked Mary Beth Peel, but I was like such a... Wasn't she the fight. only Tony nom from the show was a supporting actress nom for her? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Which like, I don't know, Derek Clinton is really good. <laughs> Like yeah. he like I will say twenty seventeen was an extremely yeah, competitive Tony year too. Mm-hmm. Um but I guess like I just to end this with a couple little funny stories. Um so we waited outside the stage door and like all of them came out, which was very cool. And Christy Altamar Altamare, Altamore, I always say it wrong. Um, but especially her, you could tell she was just so excited and like she stayed at that stage door, like, signed everyone's autographs. Like, it must have taken her, like, 45 minutes. Like, Damn. she was so happy. She, like, sang happy birthday to a couple people, like, on phones and stuff. Like, she was so sweet. And when she got to us, like, my sister, me too, but mostly my oldest sister has a real thing about some, for some reason, Broadway. Like, she's just, like, oh, these people are living their dreams. Like, she's just, like, especially, like people in like the you know chorus and like she just yeah. gets really excited about it um and so she said to christy else <laughs> she was signing autographs she goes you're living our dream <laughs> our and, dream. <laughs> and christy went it can be your dream too <laughs> it was like such a princess thing to say <laughs> Yeah. Oh, which was very, very cute of her. And then Derek Klenna um, famously plays Jane Krakowski's DJ boyfriend in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. And before, like, literally all day, my sister... DJ Finger Blast? Yes. <laughs> literally all day, my sister has been workshopping this joke where she's like, if he comes, I'm going to go, Anastasia, she's alive, damn it. <laughs> and she said it to his face, and he kind of went, what? <laughs> he did not react. And she went, Kimmy Schmidt. And he went, oh, like, ha, ha. <laughs> it was really embarrassing. I don't know if you know, Kimmy Schmidt is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite shows yeah. ever. I've seen it like 10 plus times. And I think Derek Klenna is a stroke of genius He's in very that good. show. Yeah. In season four. He's very good. So there's like, 
he basically has this whole episode around him, like a documentary vibe. And he, <laughs> this one part, he's like, as one of our own, I couldn't believe that one of our own could do this to one of our own. <laughs> yeah. Right. He just plays like a dumb. He's very like, good. Oh, it's yeah. so good. But it was so funny seeing him because like, I guess I consider like he's not that famous, which is so weird to me because in my head, I'm like literally like hyperventilating as I'm about to meet him. <laughs> yeah. And after he was done signing, his wife, or she might have been his fiance at the time, I'm not sure, but she was like waiting across the street and they just like walked to a little pizza thing and just like sat outside and ate pizza. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, they're He's normal. a father now. She <laughs> just know, had a baby just, uh, like a couple weeks ago. Congrats. That's so cute. Yeah, and Christy Altamir just got married. She did like the no, little Mamma Mia thing. She did the Mamma Mia pose in her wedding dress. It was very cute. Oh, yeah. That is cute. That's all I really have to say. I think this is like a solid show, has its problems, but was put together really well, cast really well, was fun to watch. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. Okay. I'll talk about spam a lot. I have a bunch of different things I want to say. I think the main thing I want to say and like my thesis that I'll come back to at the end because I also have like a question for you okay. on. Um, but to start off with and like the thesis of why I love this show so much is just like the stupidity of it all. <laughs> and I think I feel really strongly that we need more stupid shows on Broadway. Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking of like Representation some of matters. my favorite things I've seen and like some of the dumbest shows are have been, like, the most fun I've had seeing theater. Thinking Spamalot, I'm thinking Something Rotten. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking The Play That Goes Wrong. <laughs> I'm thinking, honestly, Titanic, um, <laughs> which is off-Broadway right now, that I'm seeing for the sixth time in two weeks. Jesus, um, you just saw it, like, a month ago. <laughs> it is seriously in the contender for, like, one of my favorite shows. Oh it my is, God. It is okay, in the way that, like, Spamalot is, like, dumb British humor... Uh, Titanic is dumb queer humor. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, I think that there is such a place on Broadway for, like, well-crafted, stupid yes. theater. I think it clearly does pretty well. Don't get me wrong. Like, I probably will nine times out of ten give a higher rating to a show that might have more, like, depth to it or more of a message or something. But... To me, that doesn't negate the importance and, like, the hilarity that can come from just not taking yourself seriously Mm -hmm. and being, like, more of a true escapist form of art. And I think that's exactly what Spamalot is. Mm -hmm. It's just so funny. It's so dumb. Like, the the humor is so... It's, like, observational. It's um, repetitive in a good way. It's It, like, just knows how to hit the mark. And, and, like, I don't know. the, The audience, like, goes crazy um seeing shit like this like i was reading a review i think it might have been the times review and it was talking about how like literally like non-verbal like just someone walking onto stage or just like sounds coming out of people mouth of people's (laughs) mouths was having the audience like erupt in laughter like me or (laughs) the the guy coming out the like soothsayer thing coming out like there are just so many moments that are like are hilarious um and i i love that about this show i love that it doesn't take itself seriously another another thing i want to talk about is the star is born moment that happened in this show with sara ramirez i talk about this all the time it's one of my favorite stories um but for those who don't know sara ramirez played the lady of the lake this was kind of their like breakout role they had done a couple things 
before this, but while they like got good reviews, nothing was like really a, a Kickstarter for them in the way that this was. Is this before Grey's Anatomy? Wait one second. Okay. <laughs> you're about to find out. Okay, sorry. <laughs> you'll see why I'm saying that. Okay. No, 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 you're fine. You'll no. see what I mean though. Um, anyway, they won the Tony for supporting actress in this role. Mm-hmm. No, they uh, are non-binary, but at the time were not out. Yeah. So they won Best Actress. Anyway, the story is after the show, not well, while it was still running, but like after one of their performances, an ABC executive went up to Sada Ramirez and said, choose a show on ABC and like we'll put you in it. <laughs> And it was right after season one of Grace Anatomy. Sada was a fan and watched it and chose Grace Anatomy and wow. then was cast as Callie Torres, which um, notably is like the longest running queer character on a television yeah, show in, on that for like, really in the time. US. Mm-hmm. I think 12 seasons. Yeah. Also, like this was in mid 2000s when like a queer character in general was pretty, you know. Yeah. On a, on a major television show was still pretty crazy. Yeah, um, I guess they... When did Callie... Is Callie... This is such a tangent. Callie dated George. So Yes, when, season like, two. Okay. When did Arizona but come into the But also season? came out as bi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, okay. around then. Like, okay. while they were yeah. still dating George or maybe towards the end of the relationship. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. I, I'm a huge Sada Ramirez fan. I think that this is, like... They like out of all the. I read a lot of reviews of this show, um, and like they're honestly overall, it got mostly positive things. There are some critiques of the show, but overwhelmingly, the number one thing that I read was that Sara Ramirez was the shining star of the yeah. show out of everything, and like yeah. made it work. Um, and I so I there used to be a slime tutorial of the original. Broadway cast that I watched incessantly. Spamalot was really formative for me in high school, <laughs> in my like high school musical theater taste. King Arthur was like one of my dream roles. Honestly, still is one of my. Dream- I would yeah. love to be in Spamalot. I think I could like oh, whatever. Side note, <laughs> but um, that type of humor, that type of show, was really really formative for me. Mm-hmm. And Sada Ramirez was like an icon, and still is an icon for me. Che. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Che. <laughs> well, I don't watch Sex and the City, but me I think that <laughs> just know they're the memes. not as popular <laughs> in that show. Anyway, back to Spamalot. So, a couple other things I'm going to talk about. Um, I, you know, I love a show that like references theater and the yes. genre that it's in. I feel like you have to do that with a show like Spamalot, mm-hmm. like with a show that's already so like irreverent yeah. and I don't not dark but like 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 the dark humor like yeah. the, you know making light of, of sad and dark things of someone getting their arms chopped off <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and there are so many references so when I was watching I, I just like tried to jot it down whenever I saw a reference mm-hmm. um so I'm just gonna read out what I have I'm sh- also sure that I miss some but the song that goes like this, which Sammy and I famously performed oh <laughs> at senior recital. Beautiful. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> um, is just like a reference to like, I think specifically Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's like a music of the night moment. But honestly, yeah. every power ballad in musical, or like power duet ballad in musical theater. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to my part, a clear and I'm telling you from Dreamgirls moment. 
Um, also, like, all the late Miz women. Like, you're just, like, yes, wait around backstage. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, there's a lot of, like, Fiddler-inspired, like, dances <laughs> and, and little call-outs. Same with West Side Story. Um, I caught a Man of La Mancha reference. Yeah. So I was like, that's kind of more <laughs> of a niche Sir one. Knight is not supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was an, a, there's another 100 people reference um, <laughs> from Company. You won't succeed on Broadway if you don't have any Jews. <laughs> First of all, just a hilarious song. But yeah. I caught the producers and Yentl references. Yeah. Like, I, I love that it, like, pays homage and pokes fun at musical theater. Did you in- read on the Wikipedia page for Spamalot, it talks about how the lyrics to that song are changed in countries where, like, there is not a significant Jewish population. No, or, I Or, like, didn't. the joke wouldn't land. Or like, That's yeah. honestly fair. <laughs> <laughs> I also read that um, they changed Whatever Happened to My Part. They've changed it, like, five or six times mm-hmm. because it's, um, she sings, I've no Grammy, no rewards, I've no Tony Awards, and this show won the Grammy for a oh, theater yeah. album and Sada Ramirez won a Tony. Mm-hmm. So they changed, they had, like, so many different iterations. <laughs> they had... Sada sing something um, that was like new, something about Betty Ford. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and then the new actress, they're like, the show's won Grammys and rewards, but I've no Tony. Like, there are so many iterations of it. <laughs> okay, next, I want to talk about the Britishness of it all. I think that that is um, a really integral part of this show, and I think an integral part of Monty Python yeah, in general. Sure. I guess, first, I'll acknowledge that I'm definitely not like a a connoisseur of British humor, although I do quite enjoy it. But to me personally, I think Spamalot nails, like, I think balancing a few things that it has to balance as a Broadway show, which is like a referencing the originals, the source text, um, and like, you know, getting the key moments be adding in, like making it its own thing and adding in new plot elements and jokes and storylines and see poking fun at the medium, you know, that we were just talking about yeah. Broadway. I think that's super hard to do all of these and to do them all justice. I personally think Spamalot nails all of these and, and like happens to do it in a super British way, which leads me to, I'm so confused why this um, opened on Broadway before West End. I yeah. don't know. This feels like a show that should have maybe started like workshopped in Britain more do you was it written uh, I, I, by british people i'm not sure who so it. it was so that's a whole other controversy that i'm about to get into okay. but um only one of the original like like pythons that they call themselves was a writer for this show that basically everyone else didn't want it to happen or maybe more aptly didn't want to be involved is it, <laughs> in it happening it, isn't John Cleese like the voice of god in some productions though like he's he was yes. into it okay he was, um, yeah, I, I, I have some, like, quotes from different people. Okay. They, like, basically had to convince him pretty hard. It was a hard sell. Really? <laughs> yeah, so he is in um, the Broadway production and other productions as, like, the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but o- the only person from the original Pythons um, and who is one of the main creators of this is Eric Idle. And it, it actually does seem to be a little bit controversial, which actually is, I don't know if this is true, but maybe why it didn't start in Britain maybe. and started in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so to talk about some of the criticisms from the Monty Python crew and also just in general, um, I think that like 
first, it seems mixed overall. Like, different people have different things to say. I read some things where people liked it. I read some things where people didn't. I saw, like, comments about how they thought the show was fine, but loved the royalties that they get from it. (laughs) And then I saw some, like, kind of shady comments with kind things sprinkled in. Mm -hmm. Um, This this, uh, review in the Times, this quote from the Times, I think really encapsulates, like, the issues that people have with spam a lot. And I think this is a total... Well, I'll read it first. So, Python, Monty Python, the original, was formed in reaction to exactly the kind of lazy comedy represented by Spamalot. What, oh, also, this is not the Times. This is the Slate. Um, what Michael Palin once described as an easy catchphrase reaction, the members had all been forced to pander in their previous writing jobs. Spamalot is the gaudy climax of a long, unfunny tradition of post-Python exploitation. Books, action figures, video games that treat the old materials as a series of slogans to be referenced without doing any of the work that made the lines so original in the first place. That's Sam Anderson in The Slate. I think there's some validity to that. Again, I, I, like, wasn't alive for the original. I mean, I saw Monty Python when I was a kid, but, like, you know, for the hullabaloo when it first came out, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure the, like, cultural impact it made... Wasn't around for that. And honestly, I wasn't even, like, aware of what type of humor or stuff that Monty Python itself was critiquing when it came out. So, like, I wasn't thinking of that perspective. One thing I'll, I will say is that the line about um, that treats the old material as a series of slogans to be referenced without doing any of the work, I don't think that's true. Like, maybe you don't agree with how it was done, but I think that they put in a lot of work to make it stand separate from Monty Python, like, as its own piece of art. Maybe that didn't land for everyone. It did for me, to be honest. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't sort know. of get like I get it just because like it's a parody, right? Like mm-hmm. I could you could say like theoretically like most parodies, I guess, are taking the lines from the work they're parodying and not like doing the work, I guess. But I don't know if that bothers me as much in this yeah. instance. I guess I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that ultimately they're like, I think that a lot of people, a lot of the original Monty Python people are like, do we need a musical of this? And I think that's sure. fair. Fair. And yeah. I personally am really glad that we do have one. Yeah. <laughs> so like my closing thoughts and kind of, I'm going to end with an open question, um, is like the trouble with stupidity in art is that I think it oftentimes isn't taken seriously. That Again, that line about it's no work. I personally think it is yeah. still a lot of work. But even in a highly, like, m- like this won the Tony for Best Musical. This got mostly positive reviews. Mm-hmm. So, like, even in highly favored art like Spamalot, I think there's this, like, narrative that stupid art is doesn't matter as much. Um, this, is a, this is a quote from the Times. So that Spamalot is the best new musical to open on Broadway this season is inarguable. But that's not saying much. <laughs> wow. Burn. <laughs> I know. Fuck, um, fuck Putnam and Light in the Piazza and... Oh, Light in uh, the Piazza. Fuck off. Come on. And Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Those are the other yeah. nominations that year. But yeah, but that's not saying much. <laughs> yeah. The show is amusing, agreeable, and forgettable. A better-than-usual embodiment of the musical for theater goers who just want to be reminded now and then of a few of their favorite things. At first I read that and I was like, that feels kind of harsh, but I also do think that there's truth to it. That in the grand scheme of things, even as a show that I really, really love, 
Spinlot is kind of forgettable. Yeah. Um, even I, I have songs from the show on my Finland, musical Finland, theater Finland. playlist, my workout playlist. And it's also not a show I think about a lot. It's not a show I call one of my favorites, even though I love it. So, like, that's fair. And that brings me to the issue at hand, which is, like, do you think it's possible for stupid, dumb art to, like, really mean something? Like, to move beyond escapism, to move beyond, you know, it was really fun for the 90 or so minutes we were in the theater. Or is that kind of just the point of it? Like, just to let go and have a good time and forget about everything else and then go back to your life. Like, does it maybe just not need to be deeper and that's okay? I guess I think that things that are escapist like that, you can can still have lasting longevity, which I don't know if mm-hmm. I would say Spamalot has longevity. Like, Monty Python yeah, I don't does, either. I think. But uh-huh. I don't know what Spamalot does. But I, like, I don't know, like, slapsticky, like, Cary Grant comedies. Like, people still watch those. And, like, bringing a yeah. baby holiday, like, they are very silly and funny but like they are part of like the myth of Cary Grant and the myth of Katherine Hepburn and they have longevity so I guess even if they are escapist and like ultimately aren't I would argue like some of them like do have things to say about relationships between men and women but like ultimately aren't you know making like a grand statement about the state of the world or society like they still can have longevity and staying power even if they're just fun yeah yeah I totally agree. I think I was struggling to come up with, like, examples, per se, but mm-hmm. of, like, specifically musical theater that feels like that. Yeah, I feel like people sometimes hold... I think you're right. Sometimes people hold dumb musical theater to a higher standard. Yeah. For Which some I reason. guess is... I don't know. I don't know if I agree or disagree with that, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's true. Last thing. Did you know that apparently there's going to be a Spamalot movie? No. <laughs> I didn't the either. The Monty Python guys are like, give me that check. So <laughs> I, I, I guess in 2018, Casey Nicola got the rights to make a movie wow. or to direct a movie. And then it was delayed with like acquisition of whatever. But I guess now Paramount Pictures has the rights and it was like confirmed in 2021 that they're moving forward with it. So that mm. means it's got to come out in the next year or so, like, I'm guessing. Wow. I don't Crazy. know. But also, it had said that Tiffany Haddish was cast as Lady of the Lake, and I know uh, she's in a lot of... Uh, yeah, that doesn't sound like it's going to work out. I don't even know the details, but I know that she's in some serious trouble right now. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> but, yeah, that doesn't sound promising, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I'm like, have... give it back to Sada Ramirez. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. That's it for me, though. Okay. I, yeah, I think I mostly agree with most of what you said, but I, I don't know. I think silly things can mean a lot to us it's okay i agree what's up doc and uh, the show that i'm talking about next week is a silly show that means a lot to me (laughs) oh you're right okay (laughs) wow you're really carving out a theme i know it wasn't even on purpose okay um i guess let's get into recreates mine is um gonna be short but i will need your help um so there are so many disney broadway musicals and yes like i said anastasia 20th Century Fox, but Disney purchased 20th Century Fox a few years ago, I think. Mambo. So, technically, it is owned by the Disney conglomerate. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to include it in this little shebang. But there are so okay. many Disney Broadway musicals. Um, and a lot of them are pretty, like, stick to the source material fairly strictly. 
But some of them, such as um, Hunchback is one, which it does the like more stringent thing where it's like, we're not sticking to the movie. We're going all the way to Victor Hugo, baby. Um, But like some of them are like, try to have to make like very tough narrative cuts, I would say. Yeah. So like Anastasia had to make some tough decisions about how it was going to include like the mysticism and like the animal sidekicks and all that jazz. I decided we're going to have to choose to make a new Broadway Disney musical that like Anastasia has a lot of magic involved and has animal sidekicks and figure out how we're going to chop it up. So tough decisions are going to be made. Um, Yeah, that's what we're going to do. And I guess side, side note, all these movies that I've picked do have musicals. They are not Broadway musicals. So okay. I'm using them. So first you have to choose your movie adaptation. Like what do you want to make a musical? Okay. Um, and I kind of don't want you to choose one of them just because then the other questions aren't as hard. But we're going to go through <laughs> it. Okay. Um, so Mulan, Hercules, or Tangled. And I kind of don't want you to choose Hercules. <laughs> Oh, okay. I was between Mulan and Tangled anyway. Okay, so. perfect. <laughs> um, I mean, probably my heart of hearts, Mulan, even though I really, really love Tangled. Okay. Specifically Mother Knows Best. <laughs> I know. Okay. Actually, Mulan might be the one that is fun, I feel like. So, okay. Mulan, you have to get, you're like with the producers, they're meeting. They're like, listen, we can't have all these animal sidekicks. There's a dragon, there's a cricket, there's a horse. Like, we can't do this. We got to get rid of, you have to get rid of one animal sidekick. Which animal sidekick do you get rid of? Okay, I'm torn because I feel like I would want to get rid of the horse. Mm-hmm. But I think that for the stage, I, th- I just am really having trouble imagining the cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how do you do that? So I said the horse because the horse doesn't talk. The cricket also doesn't talk. But I feel like crickets, you can kind of like, like he's, you know, <laughs> yeah, like a shadow. Yeah, makes or like, so fun in the movie is he's so expressive. He is and very like, expressive. I don't know. I'm just yeah. struggling to see how you could do that. I'm sure we could get creative, though. The horse, I just have so much more of an emotional atta- attachment to the cricket and dragon that... Yeah. The horse, I'm sorry. He's so go. sorry, horse. Okay. The horse doesn't feel as critical to the story as the dragon and cricket. Yeah. Okay. So this next question is like not that hard for Mulan, at least. Because it's if you had to make the villain more realistic, how would you do that? And like, I feel like the Huns are pretty historically accurate. Mm-hmm. Right? So we can yeah. keep the Huns as a villain. Okay. In Anastasia, they cut some songs. They cut some villain songs. The Huns don't really have a villain song, but... You're sitting down with the producers. They're like, we've got, we got too many songs. You wrote all these new songs. You have to get rid of the song. You have to get rid of one of the songs. It has to be from the movie. Which song are you cutting? <laughs> Damn. Okay. It's obviously tough. not Honor to tough. Us All. Obviously not Reflection. Yeah. And obviously not I'll Make a Man Out of You. There's like one other answer then. A Girl with Fighting For? Yeah, that's what I picked. I, I would be sad to lose it, but I could let that go. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, now you're, this is the last question. You're sitting down with the producers. They're like, what, like much with, I imagine happened with Dimitri. I don't know. They're like, what is this guy's deal? Like he needs more songs. We need more songs for this person. So which character needs a song added the most? Mulan, 
Li Shang, or Mulan's dad? Um, I mean, I want more songs from Mulan, but honestly, I think Li Shang could use the, like, character development, and I think also aligns with the Dimitri um, vibe, as long as we still make sure it's Mulan, Mulan the musical. The musical. <laughs> Not Li Shang, the musical. <laughs> okay. No, no shade to my bi king. No. Honestly, he needs a song so he can talk about that. We need to know more about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, that's all I really had. Very short and sweet for me today. Um, but, yeah. Love that. Um, okay, mine's a little interesting. I honestly, I don't even really know, like, what the product is. I'm just kind of saying some words and ideas. <laughs> yeah. So, Okay. I was thinking about Spamalot being, like, a really great encapsulation of British humor and also an adaptation of, a, like, beloved British media. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what's another um, version of that for something that's not British? Like, something that's quintessentially X type of humor and based on something that already exists that's is, like, has a cult following. And the immediate thought that came to mind for me was Summer Heights High. Um <laughs> And I think in the way that Monty Python is a perfect encapsulation of British humor, I think Summer Heights High is a really incredible representation of Aussie humor. Nice. And has the same cult following that, maybe not the same, but a a similar, like, the people, if you like, I I don't really know any casual fans of Summer Heights High. Like, I don't really know If you like it. Yeah. (gasps) This is how I felt about Anastasia. Um... (laughs) Wait, like Jamee and Mr. G? No. <laughs> oh, my, your life is about to change okay. for the better now that I'm introducing this to you. Okay, Thank so you. the premise of um, Summer Heights High is that this one guy, Chris Lilly, plays three characters that are all kind of like the three leads of their own little genres, and it just okay. goes back and forth between their storylines. He plays Mr. G, a super flamboyant theater teacher, um, Jamee, a, like, better-than-you private school girl, like, kind of that, like, the valley girl of Australia. Okay. And then Jonah, where I don't really want to talk about Jonah. Okay. <laughs> it's both the worst, like, the least funny, and is pretty pro- pretty problematic. Like, he's an indigenous, I, I don't know exactly, like, what descent, but, like, a Polynesian indigenous person um, okay. living in Australia. And it's, like, I don't know, I think... Yes. No, the oh, actor no? is not. Okay. Yeah. But the character is. Okay. So therein lies the problem. And I think it even goes further than that. We'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> um, I, long story short, I want to rewrite that one. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> but a big part of the humor is that, like, Chris Lilly, this guy, is playing all three of them. Um, and specifically, Mr. G and Janae are, like, in my in my book, like, textbook perfect definitions of character writing like they are so funny have such a strong point of view and yeah so like for example sammy one of the things that happens with mr g is that he like ends up taking over the school is going to do anything goes for the musical the theater teacher that was gonna lead it has to leave for whatever reason and mr g takes over Uh and he decides to write his own musical for the school to perform based on a i mean a true story in the world of summer heights high Uh based on a girl who overdosed and died at that high school (laughs) and like inserts himself into the musical like writes that he was her mentor which wasn't true like all (laughs) this it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse but like 
center of attention, but also like super musical theater guy entertain. Sure. So anyway, I just would want so I I just have some like general thoughts on how I'd want it to be done, not like specific songs or anything. Mm-hmm. But some thoughts I'd want to lean really hard into the like the lead is playing all three leads vibe. Um, I think that's something that did happen in Spam a lot, but to a much lesser extent than it does in the movie, where like literally almost every character is played by one of the six guys in mm-hmm. um, Monty Python. I think obviously it's harder for the stage version for like logistical reasons, but I would, as much as possible, I'd want to like make that such a gimmick that the same actor is playing the three leads. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I would want the the musical storyline of Mr. G to stay the same. Like, I think it's hilarious. It's one of my favorite pieces of comedic art ever. I know all the songs in the Mr. G musical <laughs> by heart. Um, and I like literally Sammy, they're like running around on stage with like, pills like big massive pills being like ecstasy 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 she's a naughty girl with a, a bad habit for drugs oh, no. like that's the vibe <laughs> um jamay i would just want to have like a storyline of her transferring to public school which is kind of one of the premises mm-hmm. um and like all the shock value that comes for her of like her rich elitist life clashing with like now being with like quote unquote commoners. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last one, I like I was saying, I think the character of Jonah just needs to be entirely struck or rethought or rewritten. Okay. I think that in the original, his ethnicity and also like another part that makes me really uncomfortable is like his like intelligence. Like he's, he's incredibly stupid and not not stupid fun, like spam a lot, (laughs) stupid, like mean, um, are just like the butt of the joke. And I don't know. I don't like that. So Mm -hmm. I was thinking maybe it'd be cool to have like an Australian, like nerdy boy stereotype, or I don't know, some kind of other trope that we could go with that isn't annoyingly, disgustingly offensive. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's like my general premise. Um, I thought the name of the show "Bummer Heights High" I, I could be a part of it because that's part of the musical. It's like days like these. It's a bummer Heights High. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but also, I wanted to do. I, I love how Spamalot is like such a dumb name. Like the na- name literally comes from. The, I mean, it's obviously parodying Camelot, but the name comes from "We Eat Ham and Jam and Spam a Lot." <laughs> so I was like, I really could not love come up it. with something, but. I wanted to do a parody of, like, H2O, which is, like, the only yeah. other Australian movie I know, like, Clear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. Something with that, I think, would, would need to be the name. But I, I literally thought about it for 30 minutes and couldn't find a good pun. Well, so Sometimes. sometimes that's that what happens. we're working with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, let's bring Summer Heights High to the stage. And I'm going to send you some clips to watch okay. because... It's so good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Our freshman year, Chris Lilly came to campus, actually, and I saw him. Did you freak out? Yeah. Well, (laughs) because, so there's a spinoff of Janae's character, and and she had another show called, like, The Very Private Life, or The Private School Life of Janae or something, Mm -hmm. and Chris Lilly came to Vandy for, like, the premiere of it. That's cool. I did not, I did not, was not aware of (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I'm, Anyways. I'm, I'm ready to see that. I'm ready for yeah. all of it. Oh, that was a good episode, I think. Yeah, and it was fun. Next week. And only two more. Only two more. I'm really excited for our last two, though. Me. I'm really excited for the last one. I really I'm excited think we're for the saving the best for last. You are saving the best for last. I can't wait. At least mm-hmm. in terms of category name. Um, yeah. 
But do you want to preview next week? Yeah. So next week's episode, the category is historical figure cameos. So both of our show have some cameos or not even just cameos. Like our characters are real historical figures. And it's not (laughs) Hamilton. We've already done that. Go back in the archives. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us or find us at Rate Debate One and everywhere else TikToks, Instagram, or Rate Debate, Rate Create. So go click that little follow button. (laughs) Please. And rate us five stars. Yes. Please. please, please, please. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye.